Deeper Dive podcast. Today is day 18 in the history of the, I'm sorry, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in one year. Uh, we'll continue on chapter three today and we begin, begin with uh, paragraph 124, the New Testament. The word of God, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, is set forth and displays its power in a most wonderful way in the writings of the New Testament, which hand on the ultimate truth of God's revelation. Their central object is Jesus Christ, God's incarnate Son, His acts, teachings, passion, and glorification, and His church's beginnings under the Spirit's guidance. The Gospels are the heart of all the Scriptures because they are our principal source for the life and teaching of the incarnate Word, our Savior. We can distinguish three stages in the formation of the Gospels. Number one, the life and teaching of Jesus. The Church holds firmly that the four Gospels, whose historicity she unhesitatingly affirms, faithfully hand on what Jesus, the Son of God, while he lived among men, really did and taught for their eternal salvation until the day when he was taken up. Number two, the oral tradition. For after the ascension of the Lord, the apostles handed on to their hearers what he had said and done. But with that fuller understanding which they, instructed by the glorious events of Christ and enlightened by the spirit of truth, now enjoyed. Number three, the written Gospels. The sacred authors, in writing the four Gospels, selected certain of the many elements which had been handed on, either orally or already in written form. Others they synthesized or explained with an eye to the situation of the churches while sustaining the form of preaching, but always in such a fashion that they have told us the honest truth about Jesus. The foretold gospel holds a unique place in the church, as is evident both in the veneration which the liturgy accords it and in the surpassing attraction it has exercised on the saints at all times. There is no doctrine which could be better, more precious, and more splendid than the text of the gospel. Behold and retain what our Lord and Master Christ has taught by his words and accomplished by his deeds. But above all, it's the Gospels that occupy my mind when I'm at prayer. My poor soul has so many needs, and yet this is the one thing needful. I'm always finding fresh lights there hidden and enthralling meanings. Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when we talk about the New Testament, you know, we spend most of this time talking about the Gospels for the reasons that are, are laid out in this, in this section of the Catechism, is that the Gospels are the principal source of of the meaning of the of the part of the um, part of our faith that is the salvific. It's the life and the works and the deeds and words of Jesus Christ, and it's this is our primary source of knowledge of Him. Um, there is uh, a, a greatness within them, um, but they're not dead words, right? But the rest of the New Testament is sits there as encouragement and as explanations of these truths that are all found. It within these this fourfold gospels, but you know, taking that step back, these this three parts, this three stage movement of the gospels in terms of history um, is important for us to look at. That it starts well before they were ever written. It starts in the life of Christ and the teachings of of him. Right, that the from that moment, you know, that's where the power comes from. Is that Christ actually was man. He was a person in history, and, and these works were real, and that's what they test the, the written word testifies to, is to this 
true power and and from there we move right um we we have to if we if we forget this part this historicity this um this truth and reality of of Jesus Christ on earth um who is God and man then there's there's really no point to the rest of it there's no point in having a meditation on it. There's no point in worrying about whether it's found in tradition or in the written word. There's no point in having a church even. If if this central truth isn't there, then the rest of it falls apart. So so we start with that um, profession of the truth of that. But but also recognizing that the gospels were first pronounced, right? This is this is one of my favorite apologetic things that is always to remember that when Christ on his last day on earth, on the ascension, he doesn't st- stand in the clouds with the angels all around him and say, here's your Bible, good luck, right? He doesn't start with, this is this is the written word and, and you'll be fine from here, right? That's not how we believe that the scriptures came about uh, in any, any way, shape, or form, but rather that he gave them the mission to go forth, Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded, and I will be with you until the end of the ages, right? This great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel. And that is where we know that tradition is true, right? The tradition is is the first first testament to or testimony to this reality of, of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Um and then and then from there, as as time goes on and there is a recognition that uh, there's a staying power to this, then the words are written down. But it always maintains the character of of um, the early church preaching style, right? There's a great book by Richard Brickbaum on the eyewitness, the Gospels and the eyewitnesses of Jesus, right? Which is actually not a good read. Um, it's a very technical theological read, but it makes a very uh, strong argument for no, 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 this is exactly who they say they are. Everyone everyone is maybe a generation, um, within a generation of Jesus, right? And this is how we know it. And, and it's, it's a really strong case for the traditional understanding of the writers of the gospel, unlike some maybe more modern um, exegesis, exegesis tries to um, claim, you know, oh, no, these are all 4th and 5th century writers. No, that's absolutely bonkers. Um, but that these gospels that have always been written and always had these apostolic origin have a great place of honor in the liturgy, right? That there is almost never a time, even in the less than sacramental liturgies of the church in which the gospel is not read. But even if we just think to mass, right? That the gospel is, is, is the highlight of the liturgy of the word, right? That the proclamation of the gospel is, is only to be read by a cleric, Right, so there's a certain part where the person has to be consecrated in order to even proclaim the words in such a uh, a formal um, worship setting. That instead of even though there is both Old New Testament readings, like we're we're seated for that portion, right? But when it's the gospel, we stand. We give uh, a, a little bit more honor. There's a little more effort on our part, um, so that we should stand with a little bit of anticipation for for the words that are being proclaimed and. And it's also the only time in which, uh, or at least in the liturgy of the of um, of the word, in which we would use candles on either side of the ambo or use incense. Right? There's a certain extra moment to this. To this, there's even a book of the Gospels if you have a deacon. Right? That in the liturgy, there's only three uh, the mass. There's only really three things that ever get incensed. There's the altar, which happens sometimes at the beginning of mass and at the offertory. There's the gifts that become the body, the, the 
Eucharist, and then there is this gospel reading, right? Whether it's in the lectionary or in the book of the gospels, that there is a highlight to this moment. And, and there is, it's not an accidental thing. Right? It, it's, it's meant to be a crescendo that, that that's how we view all of sacred scripture is that the gospels form the crescendo. Yes. Maybe revelation has more colorful language at times, or the old Testament has kind of cooler stories if you're really um, honest. And then there's a lot more words at least in the old Testament than in the new, but, but even though there's all this other uh, there and they're all inspired words, it is the gospels that form the very core of, of our faith, the very core of our knowledge. It's the very core of all that we hold dear.